0: Credit card brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Air Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift with Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to takeoff. Bank of Ireland, begin. Over 18s only. Acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Euro. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. The Hard Shoulder on News Talk with Nissan.
1: Let's go the distance by keeping our distance. Nissan. Innovation that
2: excites. Welcome back to the hard shoulder. As always on a Friday, we take a look back at different aspects of the week's happenings over the past seven days. And to join me for this edition of the Final Furlong in studio, because I can need, I take all the help I can get. Uh, Jez Kelly, presenter of Tech Talk, and 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 all knowing when it comes to tech, uh, from. A tomb in North Dublin beneath a tower. Uh, Terry Prone, chair of the communication clinic. And Tom O'Mahony, uh, the caveman himself, comedian, is coming to us from Wicklow. Uh, let me get straight to it, Terry. Um, are you cocooning? I have been
1: forced to cocoon, Ivan. I am three weeks at this stage, all on my own. I have seen nobody, talked to nobody, permitted nobody, ingress. my estate. I am just all on my own the whole time. You you can't imagine how glad I am to hear from you as a result.
2: So so tell us, I mean, have they delivered the food parcels? There's community call, there's all sorts of people doing great work. I mean, like, how are you eating? How are you getting your food parcels?
1: I did some purchasing uh, before this uh, plague settled down on us. And I haven't had any food deliveries. The only delivery that I had was um, a delivery from the pharmacy, um, because, as you know, and I'm sure it's true of you too, Ivan, anybody over fifty is held together with pharmaceutical products.
2: Well, some more than others. Yes,
1: <laughs> depending on the life one has led.
2: <laughs> so, are you all right?
1: I'm fantastic. Listen. This, I may be the only person in Ireland who is suited by this. I I have to be constantly wary and conscious that this is a killer thing and that this is a disaster for the entire world. Because in my little corner of the world, it's just wonderful. It's perfect. It's everything I've ever wanted.
2: No, but you, you you are a kind of intense and active person. Are you bored?
1: Oh. How could I be bored? First of all, um, I am uh, busy all the time because if you're in a business like mine, um, a lot of our business is training. And that means that I mean, basically we're on our knees, we're begging in the street, except you're not allowed to go out to beg in the street at the moment. But training has completely fallen through, except for people who are saying, okay, our training need is so urgent, let's do it by Zoom or how are you on Skype, or any of those things. And so I would be constantly on one of those platforms um, dealing with people, while at the same time, Ivan, having to do stuff that I have managed to avoid for my whole life, like hoovering. (laughs) Right. Hoovering is quite a chore to me. Uh. Hoovering is even a trauma to me, because first of all, I couldn't... And you can't mover. get decent and stuff. secondly, decent I was stuff. taken aback when I found that it had a face. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, 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 Tom O'Mahony, you're 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 in the gig economy. Uh, the type of of cancellation and so on. Does that mean you're you're not cocooning, but you are staying home? Oh, staying home,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we are out the countryside, so I've been doing a lot of gardening and whatnot. But we've uh, we've developed a kind of a way of of gigs. Via Zoom So we're doing one tonight actually for the Roisin Dove in Galway Myself, Andrew Maxwell, Joe Caulfield and a bunch more will be gigging live to people on Zoom
2: And tell me this, can anyone join in? Watch it like?
3: Oh yeah, anybody can And it's actually in the hope that people would donate towards the Simon community as well So
2: just tell me how you access it and when
3: Quite literally go on to the Facebook page of Roisin Dove Galway And the link will be there. Click through and you'll be able to watch us live doing stand-up in our
2: kitchens. There's one thing worse than devaluing the currency and that's giving it away for free. (laughs) Oh, I know,
3: I know. But as as creatives, we just... I say creative, but really we're just attention (laughs) lunatics. We just want people to watch us, really. That's all.
2: Tom, have you you found any new hobbies in lockdown and boredom? The hoovering, actually, just like Terry. Oh, for the love of God. I was terrified of the thing. But, uh, I'm starting to get on. into. I'm getting a this knack. Could catch on. You're right. Oh so, no, it won't. As soon as as soon as the pub's open again, <laughs> I'm <gone. laughs> And anything anything sort of like uh, Deirdre not only is is obsessed with with bridge online. She's now taken up learning French. And I told her, if you think you're going to France, forget <laughs> it. I mean, like, what's the story? Have you taken up anything new and creative, Tom? Uh, no, I mean, other than I, I had
3: toyed with the idea of
2: learning Spanish, and then I thought. I don't like Spanish people, so I'm just going to give it a miss. All right. Well, Jess Kelly, you have loads of time in your hand because you're hearing news talk. So yes. tell us, what what are you doing to kill the boredom?
4: Sure. listen, I'm constantly on the dots. I don't know how I feel the days. Uh, no, I am still coming into work um, and I am working in the office until around two o'clock every day, except for today, obviously enough. And then I'm going home and working from home. And I really like having that balance. But I am trying to use the weekends and the evenings to do creative things. So, you know, the way I told you before, I can't cook like I can't butter bread. I managed to butter bread yesterday. I managed to make a lovely spaghetti bolognese a few weeks ago. I can knit and now as well. Would you do it off
2: a recipe or off a thing or would you just kind of ad-lib it?
4: Oh, no, I, I'd Google it and yeah. it's like, you know, spaghetti for dummies and it's like right. lobless okay. in there. And it's working it. well. I haven't given anyone food poisoning yet. So. Right.
2: You are wearing a sling, which is yeah. the first time I've seen <laughs> this. Now, I, 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 the minute I heard of social isolating, I thought of Jess Kelly because she... <laughs> Way before the coronavirus was ever heard television, <laughs> she implemented her own do not touch, do not come near me for six metres. And therefore, I thought this is absolutely perfect for you. But you seem to have taken a
4: fall. I did, yeah. I fell over the other day and I landed onto my left shoulder. Um, and I so I've damaged the tendons in my shoulder. I'm in an awful lot of pain, you'll be delighted to hear. Um, but uh, yeah, between nerve and the sling. So how and did a bit you of water, fall? Because I'm a gobshite, basically. I just no, were slipped. You, were
2: you inebriated? Uh, no, I
4: wasn't. A
2: guard wouldn't ask you that question, No, I he
4: wouldn't. But no, I, I basically just slipped and went back onto my... And elbow, and I'm bruised and battered the entire left side of my Did you get body. An X-ray? No, 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 I don't want to be going near anyone or anything. Yeah. So, you know me. Um. So, just lob it into a sling, it'll be grand.
2: I haven't spoken to you since the get go of this, uh, uh, Terry. And I find in situations like this, you're, you're the most stoical sort of person of positivity and resilience and all that stuff you hate from people. But I mean, like, I like, I like people who are moaning and whinging and cribbing and giving out about everything and anyone. Uh, You must be coming into your own in this positivity are you?
1: Well the the problem with positivity Ivan is that there isn't much of an audience for it. Um, There's a much (laughs) greater audience especially on social media for outrage, disgust and criticism and I'm in the position where I actually think Ireland Inc um, meaning the entire nation has done just amazingly well I mean, the figures show that we are actually containing this thing. And I think that, for example, it's one of the best things that ever happened on Garda Shirkana because the Garda are out there greeting people, just checking what they're doing, wanting to know have they got any kind of identification that proves it. But they
2: are being apparently adorable, and right. it's really great for the people. I, I take it regard. you're you're relying on anecdotes, given that you're actually a cocoon. No, we have a police state, uh, we have tanks rolling the streets, and it's it's quite grim out there. But you think it's fine? So, I mean, like, do you think uh, with the grace re- that the older generation, who've been through two world wars and all that kind of stuff, are more resilient and resolute and stoical as a, as a as a opposed to the snowflakes?
1: Ivan, before we go any further, can we get it clear? I didn't live through any bloody world war.
2: <laughs>
1: Dammit to hell! I am not that age. I do think that there is a stoical thing in some older people, but I also think that this uh, cocooning lark um, and the way that it is being portrayed in mass media um, is not good for the image of older people because to no fault of our own, the fittest and most productive and hardworking of us are all lumped together. And we are kind of passive recipients of compassion from nice people who put boxes at our door. Now, I haven't had any box put at my door, but you get the point. This whole cocooning thing is spreading an image, an impression of older people as being, you know, not the full shilling, in terrible need of help from us competent younger people. By the way, while I'm on the subject of competent younger people, I wish to point out to you that Jess Kelly is exactly the person that Tony Houlihan was talking about yesterday when he came back from being in hospital. She should be having an X ray.
2: Jess?
4: I'm sorry to Terry and to Dr. Holham, but I was actually going to come to and jump to your defence, Terry. I was going to say that I actually don't think older people have been, you know, pitied in a bad sense. What I've seen from older people is that they're stepping up and engaging with technology. And rather than going down the road of, you know, woe is me and I have to just sit on my own, People have been engaging. I've seen people of all ages engage engage in Zoom conversations, in you know uh, Google Hangouts, in Skype conversations, oh. and I actually am proud of how we've dealt with this because I do think, and obviously I'm biased because of my uh, portfolio, but. We have embraced technology and I think we're getting on with it. And I do I do think, you know, we're listening to, to the, the advice from the HSC and the ministers and all of that. And I think we've done with it quite well. But I don't think old people have, or the older people, have been made out to be these little people that we have to wrap in cotton wool. It makes sense to follow the advice. But I do think, as I said, a lot of the stories that I've heard over the last few weeks are older people are still connecting just in a different way. Yeah. I
1: think that you're right. If I could come back on yeah. that point... First of all, I think that it is proving that older people have grasped the various media platforms.
2: All right. Well, there's a grasp for you. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Terry
4: was so right, disgusted right, with me. Okay. She's gone. Uh, Tom,
2: Tom like, people have been texting into the programme in relation to frustrated mm-hmm. 70-year-olds who find themselves locked up. Hold on a second. The reason we're out of a job, the reason we've disrupted our lives and are staying home ourselves is for you older people. Do you not get that?
3: I know, I know. But look, what I do is I, I I'm just as I am, as soon as I put the phone down here, I'm going to actually head to the shop. I've got to pick up a load of alcohol for my in-laws who are over 70 and just leave it outside the door. I once <laughs> you can keep them inebriated. They're absolutely grand.
2: All right. Uh, is Terry still alive?
1: Yes, I am. And what I was trying to say about um, older people, two things. First of all, Jess is absolutely right, and I'd go even further, that a lot of older people have been proven to be highly competent technologically. They're able to maintain uh, contact with their grandchildren and others through various different social uh, media platforms, and that's great. What I was trying to get at was... Do you know the kind of television images where fit, handsome young people arrive up at a door, and some poor old one opens the door and smiles helplessly? I could do without that imagery. Oh, I love those. They're so (laughs) contrived for television.
2: You can and the GA club and it, 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 it sickens me to the stomach to see such community spirit and goodness out there. All right. Thanks for that update. Right, have our final furlong panelists assembled: Terry Prone, Jess Kelly, and Tom O'Manny. Let's let's move on to something entirely different to COVID nineteen, and that is that a list caught my eye earlier this week of incredible moments from primary school you probably haven't thought about in years. And then apparently people uh, uh, have been in touch, scented gel pens carrying the the register, whatever that is, school dinners, (laughs) uh, being shown a film or a show in class, Putting Tipex on your nails. Uh, Jess, yes. fairly recent memory for you. You were a class SWAT. I know this. And so tell me, what, what's your favorite school memory?
4: I have many because I was the swatiest of SWATs. I was the kid that everyone hates, kind of like as I am now, only Correct. a taller. Jesus wept uh, no I was the kind of kid that when I came back from summer holidays I walked around the schoolyard with my favourite teacher and showed her photographs of those holidays uh, I was the kid that was trusted to do the milk round in primary school I was also often trust... a
2: total lick in other words oh yeah, I haven't changed right, a bit yeah, yeah. it's
4: great I also was trusted to go and get the TV you know you'd have but those... was there
2: a particular memory that fills you full of nostalgic joy
4: yeah then? there was there was a teacher that we had over from China she was an exchange teacher who came in in fourth class and her name was Chi Zoon, and she taught me how to touch type properly on a QWERTY keyboard and she was one of the nicest people that I've ever met and I obviously have rose-tinted glasses now looking back but in terms of the most practical skill that I learned in primary school was to touch type it's something that I use every single day and when I look back at primary school that and sport are my two favourite memories
2: Alright uh, Tom I'm, I'm looking for your, your your best you did the school play and you made a dog's dinner of it or something and you know, give me what's your, your most iconic childhood memory from school?
3: Well, as you, you know, and you slag slagged me off enough times from being from South Tipperary, it was quite a rural school, to say the least. And it was only brought up in conversation the other day when I, I pointed out I went, was everybody else allowed to wear wellies? No. When, there, when it was raining? No, I never had wellies. The, oh, <laughs> you just painted your feet black.
2: <laughs> Sorry, you went to school in your Wellingtons.
3: We did, and On one time the road got flooded, and instead of cancelling school, a local farmer filled a, a silage trailer full of children and brought them t- through the flood.
4: Oh God!
2: Right, what 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 yeah. part of the world are we talking about? What was the name South of your? No, I know that. What was the name of the parish or half parish school? Uh, Tankerton is the name of the school. is in the parish of Bancha. Oh right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And and tell me, were you a good student? Like, do you have positive <laughs> memories from your childhood, or did you have the dunce's hat? Were you in the corner? <laughs> were you were you doing lines?
3: Yeah, I definitely, I had the dunce's hat for sure. I know the teachers couldn't stand me. I was, you know, one of those smart aleck kids. And as an adult now, I know I would have hated me.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell me, tell me, Terry, uh, your your childhood uh, best school memories.
1: Oh, I just hated primary school. When I hear kids now saying that they can't wait to get back to school, I'm looking at them and thinking, by golly, this experience must have changed. Because my experience of all of school, right up to and including university, was unremitting horror. And I would rather be dead than go back to any of it. But primary school was a problem because <laughs> every winter I would get bronchitis, asthma, be out of school. And you miss things that you never catch up on. Like I still have difficulty singing the national anthem because I was out the week that it was done and I never established any sort of meaningful relationships. I mean, Tom said that he, he wasn't liked by the teachers. I was hated by the teachers, but I was also hated by the pupils. So it was it was just a complete nightmare. And the worst thing, the worst thing every day that I was there was you'd have your lunch in the schoolyard, right? And then you'd come back in and start working. And six million seagulls the size of bald eagles (laughs) would come down screaming into the uh, schoolyard to eat the crumbs and crusts that we had left. And it was just, it made Hitchcock look mild.
2: Indeed, indeed. Did you go to boarding school, Tess?
1: Oh, no. Boarding school was um, a threat in our house. Um, <laughs> if, if I didn't do my homework, two things were going to happen to me. One, I was going to end up working in a pea canning factory, and the other was, in a shorter term, I was going to be sent to boarding school. But it was always used as a punishment.
2: Right. So, uh, 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 OK, pretty conventional there. Let's move on to our next topic. It's 10 years today. The invention of the iPad, or so it says on this note here. The (laughs) tablet has become almost an essential piece of technology for many. And there is only one point of reference here, Uh, Jess. Just tell me, like, there's so many gadgets yeah. now. The the iPad is an Apple product, isn't it? It is. It's
4: an Apple product. It's a tablet, uh, which is a, it's sort of a larger smartphone. It's and a halfway
2: between a smartphone and a laptop, is it?
4: Exactly, yeah, It's a touchscreen device. When they brought this out um, a few years back, it was the biggest deal because, you know, we're not that long into the history of these smart gadgets, but the idea was that you would have this beautiful, slick fully portable device that you could interact on a touchscreen, bring your music bring your movies all the stuff that we take for granted but you now. wouldn't
2: fit in your pocket
4: no you wouldn't fit in your pocket usually they're around I think the, the size of this was 10.1 inch and I remember queuing up in HMV in Dundrum to buy one because I was that kid as well that adult or whatever age I was um, but I it's one of those devices that I still have I still have the box of and it's gone into sort of my little museum of crap at home I keep every device I've ever owned So
2: in the panoply of inventions and Mm. tech stuff Yeah How does it rate?
4: It's very important. The the, the key markers, this was back when Apple was still one of like it still is one of the big companies but in terms of innovation, they were the golden child and in terms of wow moments in my living memory when it comes to technology, the iPhone and the first iPad are just incredible because it bridged the gap from the big clunky laptops that we used to have. That was as portable as this technology used to be. But it doesn't have a keyboard. You could add a keyboard on. I remember when I was on with George every Monday he would talk about his Zagfolio because they sent him one and uh, that was a keyboard that you could pair via Bluetooth. So there's a way around it but the beauty of this was it was just touchscreen. A lot of people still use them today. We had uh, Mark Cagney hosting the Pat Kenny show yeah. today. He had one with him.
2: In 20 years time will we still have the iPad?
4: I think in 20 Or the years, equivalent? I, I don't know and, and you know it's funny I don't own a tablet anymore. I still have the old one that's in the box that I never use but in terms of day to day I'm more reliant on my smart Smartphone and my laptop, my Surface, um, rather than a tablet, because in terms of functionality, a tablet could never do enough for what I wanted it to do. So I don't know necessarily that it will stand the test of time, but it is certainly an important uh, technological uh, device.
2: Well, Tom, you've heard it there—ten point one inches. Uh, w- what size is your iPad? <laughs>
3: <You're>
2: <laughs> well, if I folded it guck. over, maybe. Uh,
3: <laughs> do you know? I I lost all time and respect for the iPad I was gigging in Shoreditch in London one evening and it's the most hipster place on the planet I walked past a cafe and this guy with a curly mustache and a monocle had a typewriter modified to sit an iPad into it and he was striking the keys and they were tapping the iPad and from there and then I wanted to shove the whole lot down his neck and kick him down a drain somewhere I lost all respect the the, the most exciting thing I can remember from my a couple of, in the last couple of years is the soda stream has come back out I know it's not full-on tech, but it still gets me going.
2: Sorry, what was your problem with this guy and his bit of gear? What was your he problem had, with it?
3: He'd gone to all the effort to get a, an old school typewriter modified so that he could sit an iPad into it <laughs> rather than just get one or the other.
2: And would you have an iPad yourself? Now, do, do you like? I, I mean, a lot of people who either have a laptop or computer at home and have a smartphone mightn't I'm not including Deirdre on this. She does all her contract bridge and all her stuff on her new iPad. I mean, like, it's a bit of an in-betweener. You could live without it.
3: Yeah, I don't have one. I had one briefly. Uh, It was stolen from the car. And after that, I figured, you know what, I'm going to go with the laptop or the phone. One or or the other. I'm
2: not... Tom, Huck, what, what comes around goes around. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, right, uh, uh, Terry, you are, you are for someone of, of your generation, very <gasps> tech-savvy. Very tech-savvy.
1: <laughs> you are fantastic the way you can include an insult in any question <laughs> that you're asking. Um, I've always been what's called a, an early adopter, Ivan. I actually had the first portable computer in this country. Well, now, yeah. when I say portable computer... People like Jess are used to understanding portable as something that you can lift with one hand. This was the size of a large suitcase, (laughs) but it did mean that I could take home my work and work at home at weekends. The other thing was that um, I was the first person to own a daisy wheel typewriter. And this was very useful to me because I was writing columns for the Evening Herald when an editor named Vinnie Doyle appeared. Now, Vinnie Doyle couldn't stick me, and I couldn't stick him either. And at some stage, he called me in for a meeting, and I lost my temper and told him to stick his job on the highest rafter of the roof of his arse. And I was going home on the bus afterwards thinking, you know, this was not a strategically wise thing to do. And I eventually worked out, okay, I changed the daisy wheel on the typewriter, which meant that the font looked completely different. And I did up a couple of columns on different kind of paper. And using my sister's address in Rathfarnham, I submitted them to Vinnie Doyle. And what really annoyed me was not just that he used them, but that he paid me more to be not me than he had paid me to be me. And from now, I mean, at the moment, I've gone the other way to Jess. I work totally from an iPad. I had um, a Surface and I just gave it to somebody in the office. I have an iPad with its own um, keyboard in front of me. And that keyboard thing is very important because, like Jess, I'm a touch typist. And if you're a touch typist, you actually can type faster than you can think almost. Mm. And it's wonderful if you're doing big documents or books or whatever And I have always found the inbuilt typeface within the uh, iPad uh, on the screen. I've never found that satisfactory. So I really do need to have um, a a typeface in front, a a keyboard in front of me.
2: What did you describe? The what on your arse was it? I I missed that. (laughs) The platform, or what was a particular calculated insult? I might plagiarise the highest highest roof. It was the, sorry,
1: the hi- was this when I told Vinny to stick his job?
2: Yeah, yeah, what was it, Jim? I
1: told him to stick his job on the highest platform of the roof of his arse.
2: Right, okay. Right, I'm going to... Oh, that's a keeper. That is, that is a keeper. <laughs> that is a keeper. Right. Uh, now, let's move on. Because ITV are actually recreating a drama. You might recall Charles Ingram was at the centre of one of television's biggest cheating scandals. He and his wife did this coughing routine uh, on uh, the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire programme with Chris Tarrant. And it, they've now got a three-parter coming out on ITV in April, reliving the whole drama uh, as a docudrama. Uh, so that got us thinking here on the hard shoulder. What is your most memorable or scandalous TV moment, Jess Kelly?
4: I watched this episode. There was a documentary that you can watch on YouTube about the Charles Ingram scandal and it is fascinating to watch that type of thing I'm not really a great one for TV and movies I kind of have the attention span of a two year old but is there, is
2: there a moment a late late show or a, a comic routine like for me one of the best ones was the skits with Mike Murphy and Gay Byrne over oh, and yeah. over again irritating me pretend to be a French rugby fan mm. coming up behind him and Gay got more and more and more and I think that is one of the ones you know, like it's usually pranks like that I remember yeah
4: like I remember I so when I lived at home with my mum my dad and my siblings we used to watch all of the sport and so when the APRA match lads would be on at the, like at half time and at the end of the games, anything that's comedy and proper laugh out loud I do remember when do you remember when Jerry Ryan hosted The Late Late because Pat's mother had passed away? And Jerry hosted and Tommy Tiernan was one of the guests. And I remember like struggling to breathe because I was laughing so much at Tommy Tiernan. Tommy is one of those co- comedians who just makes me laugh the entire time. But in terms of other wow TV moments, there's nothing that really jumps out, to be honest.
2: All right. Uh, uh, Tom, any memorable TV moment for you? Yeah, the Late Late show just popped up in my head there. It was... Do
3: you remember Russell Crowe, the one where he was on? And it got really, really awkward. Because Russell had, had obviously had a couple of pints in the green room. And Ryan thought it'd be a good idea. Hey, Russell, do you want to sing a couple of songs with the band? And the audience had the rhythm of a fish. Yes. And, uh... <laughs> Been, there, was, there was quite a few, uh,
2: over the years, quite a few jarred guests on The Late Late. Uh, beyond The Late yeah. Late, because uh, I'm, I'm sure Tess will have a, a few Late Late choice ones, but did, did, uh, anything that, that sticks out in your mind? Uh, maybe it could be Tommy Cooper, it could be, like, given your, your milieu of work in, 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 in comedy, any particular, you know, um, Del Trotter, anyone's that you really sort of, you liked that humour?
3: Well, in regards to humor, I probably found it funny when nobody else did. Was I remember waking up the morning that Eric Cantona had jumped over the fence and tried to <laughs> badly karate kick a guy in the head off the side of the pitch? Do you remember that? Yes,
2: yes, and remember as well. I remember
3: thinking that was the funniest
2: thing I ever saw right right (laughs) okay well your humour always is something very searching for us here on the Final (laughs) Uh, Four Terry um, you must have so many many memories what sticks out
0: well
1: there are three late late show ones and the third one didn't actually happen on the programme and the first is uh, I remember it because it it was just such dramatic television because a guest didn't turn up Uh, Gay was expecting, I think it was Desmond Fennell, who was a controversialist and a right-winger. And uh, Fennell sent in this big, long uh, statement indicating that he wasn't going to go into the program as he had said he would, because he didn't trust Gay Byrne. And Gay read about one paragraph of the letter and then looked at the camera and then picked up all of the pages and just simply tore them and threw them up in the air. And it was the most dramatic condemnation of a person that I had ever seen. And I was terribly young when I saw it. The second one um, was, you mentioned the people who've been on the Late Late Show drunk. And one of them was the psychiatrist Ordi Lang. And halfway through, um, well, it wasn't even halfway through, the, the psychiatrist made a number of comments. He was clearly slurring and he was at best tangential to the subject, and Gay suddenly went very quiet and then asked him why he had come on his programme drunk. And the indrawn breath around the nation was (gasps) just unbelievable because nobody had... Everybody had noticed the fact, but nobody had believed that Gay would call him on it and the absolute bluntness of the way. He and how did, do, it. how did
2: the guy respond? Did he apologise or what?
1: No, he was outraged, and he, how dare? He was in denial. Yeah. And uh, Gay simply went straight on and indicated, "Look, it's clear to everybody that you're under the weather, and I just wanted to know why." And then moved on to somebody else.
2: All right, I, I want to thank uh, my three. Uh, remote and uh, present final furlong panelists, chair of the communication clinic, Terry Prone, Jess Kelly, presenter of Tech Talk here in Diggs Lane in News Talk, and Tom O'Mahony, only temporarily suspending his caveman tour uh, because it will be back. One of the many things that we can look forward to.
1: The hard shoulder
2: on News Talk
1: with Nissan. Together, let's play our part by staying apart. Nissan. Innovation that excites.
0: Air Credit Card, brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Aer Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift, with Air Credit Card you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards the only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to take off. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Over 18s only. Acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.